If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Today we're continuing our series entitled Unprecedented, Unprecedented. And I believe God's been with us as we've been looking at uh, ways that he wants to move. And I feel like I have a message uh, from the Lord. This may be our last message in the series. I'm, I'm not sure what God wants for us moving forward. Easter's in a, several weeks, and so we'll see what God has. But I believe I have a message uh, for us from the Lord today. And uh, we're reading in Psalm 85, beginning with verse number 1. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. Selah. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints. But let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The title of my message today is Revive Us Again. Revive Us Again. Taken from the question in verse 6, will you not revive us again? You know, too often Christians want to enjoy the blessings of God's favor while overlooking or choosing not to deal with the root problem that is keeping God's blessing from flowing into their lives. But ignoring the real issue is like taking painkillers when you have an infected tooth. Anybody ever have an infected tooth? No fun, is it? Pastor Tony Evans shared that he once faced such a situation when he and his wife went on a cruise. And planning to have a good time, of course, as everyone is, they settled in and he started having tooth pain. He tried to ignore it for a day or two, but he couldn't, so he went to the uh, infirmary there on the ship and got some painkillers and took those, but they didn't work too well. And uh, finally, he put in a call to his dentist, and the dentist said, from the description, it sounds like what you have is an infection, and just uh, treating the pain symptoms won't make a difference. 
So he said, you need to take some antibiotics. So he got some antibiotics and he took them and he started to feel better because he was treating the actual cause of the pain rather than just the symptoms. And his situation on the ship illustrates how easy it is for us as Christians to do the same thing spiritually. We know there's a problem in our lives because we feel the pain inside, but we treat the symptoms and leave the real problem unsolved. We want to go to church and pop a a few sermon or music pills, so to speak, and leave feeling better. I've been to church, I've sung some songs, I've put on some Christian music. All those are good things to do, don't get me wrong. But if our real need is for revival, doing a few things just to feel good, just to numb the pain for a little while, is not going to ultimately make a difference. We can't fix this need for revival with more good deeds or more church programs. True revival has to be an inner work of the Lord and no one else. We see that our society is in a state of spiritual decline, but the real cause for concern is spiritual decline among followers of Christ. We need to seek God for revival before we can ever hope to effect real change in society. Here in Psalm 85, the psalmist describes the problem and what it means to return to the Lord who is faithful to draw us back to himself. Nothing can replace a reviving and life-refreshing touch from the Lord. And so I believe we need to cry from the bottom of our hearts with the psalmist, Lord, revive us again. Revive us again. This morning, for the next few minutes from this psalm, I want to answer the question, what are the stages of revival? What are the stages of revival? And I want to say at the outset, when we talk about revival, um, you say, Pastor Tim, your series is entitled Unprecedented. I thought we were talking about God doing something new. Well, what I have found is every time we return to the Lord and we have a revival, God does something new and fresh. It's not always the same as it was before. Have you noticed that? You can trace revivals throughout history. We've talked about it, this latest one, the Asbury Revival that has spread other places. They're not the same as what was before. They are unprecedented. Uh, but the, the key uh, point to take away is that God wants to revive us. Amen? And so I want to answer this question. As I said, what are the stages of revival? The first is this, that the prelude to revival is remembrance of God's blessings. The prelude to revival is remembrance of God's blessings. He says, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob in the first three verses. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. You set aside your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Now, when I talk about remembrance of God's blessings... I'm talking here primarily about spiritual blessings, okay? Not necessarily material blessings. Now, it is good and proper, uh, to, okay, to thank God for material blessings, to God, thank God for provision. We should do that on a regular basis, not just, uh, you know, during the Thanksgiving season. We should thank God for all of our blessings. 
But in talking about a prelude to revival, I'm talking about remembering the spiritual blessings of God. Remember a time when, when God moved in power in our lives, in our homes, in our church, in our society. Uh, and, and as I said, he mentioned several things. You showed favor to your land. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You set aside your wrath. Remember how God moved among you. I've shared with you the impact the Brownsville revival in, in, the, in the late 90s made on my family and me and on this church as we went down there and came back. And it was a powerful move of God. And, and, and it's good to remember times when God moved. Why is that? Because as we're going to talk about a little later on in the sermon, things change. We don't mean for them to, but things change. And, and, and sometimes it just doesn't seem like that fire burns like it used to. Can we be honest? Doesn't seem like there's that enthusiasm and that burning and that fire. Um, you know, this movie came out uh, a few weeks ago, Jesus Revolution. Have any of you seen it? Some of, a few of you have. I, I encourage you, uh, if you get a chance, to go see that movie. Because it, it, it was a great look back at the, 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 the Jesus Revolution, the Jesus People Revolution that began about 1970 or so, the early 70s, 72 and was an unprecedented move of God and how, how a bunch of young people came into this staid, traditional church with their long hair and their torn blue jeans and their uh, folksy kind of gospel songs instead of the hymns that people were used to. And they came in and, and with the blessing of that pastor who God used, Chuck Smith, and, and just sparked a worldwide revival. And, and I encourage you to go see that. It's, it's, it's such a blessing uh, when we consider how God moved. And, 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 and I mentioned the move of God here in our church in the, in, in, in the late 90s. We had, we had people, some, a few of you were here then. We had people, we were talking about the river of God flowing and people could see and feel a, a river of God's spirit moving in our services. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and born again and God was moving. And it's great to look back at that revival and remember the blessings of God. Can you remember a time, and I'm not disparaging anyone's current walk with God, please don't take what I'm saying in that way, but do you remember a time when you were so on fire for God that almost nothing else mattered? Do you remember that? Do you remember when there a fire burned within you? When, 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 when God just moved upon you and, and, and did things in your life and moved powerfully in your life and you were on fire for him? And I, I think about those times. I think about those times in my own life. And, and, and it's good to remember. It's good to remember. It's good to take a look back. And so that's what the psalmist does here. Um, many scholars feel like this uh, psalm was written shortly after the Babylonian exile. You remember when Israel was, was taken into exile in, in the land of Babylon. And they were there as a nation in exile for 70 years. And the, uh, the, the temple had been torn down and ransacked. The walls of the great city of Jerusalem had been reduced to rubble. And so they had returned. And, 
and under Ezra, they, they began to rebuild the temple. Under Nehemiah, they began to rebuild the wall around the city. But when they came back and they saw the condition of their city and they, they, they realized what they had lost in 70 years of exile, they looked back and they remembered. God, you showed favor to us. God, you moved among us. And, 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 and he says, you forgave the sins of your people. You set aside your wrath. You turned from your anger. Lord, we remember when you moved among us. Church, it's good to look back and remember when God moved in power. He's still moving. Of course, I've said that every week. He's on the move. But when we particularly were part of that move and flowed with God. Do you remember? Do you remember being on fire for God? It, that memory should stir our hearts. That memory should stir a yearning within us. God, I want a fresh move of your spirit in my life. Lord, I want you to do what you did then and even something greater. The prelude to uh, revival is remembrance of God's blessings. What's the second stage of revival? It's the prayer of revival for restoration to God's favor. A prayer for restoration to God's favor. In verses 4 through 7, it says, Restore us again, O God, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And you can hear the desperation in the psalmist's cry. Can't you just hear it? Lord, I, Lord, Lord, we've displeased you. Lord, are you going to be angry with us forever? Lord, won't you revive us? Lord, won't you stir us? Won't you do a fresh work within us? You see, this comes from a realization, as I alluded to before, that things have changed. I'm not as on fire as I used to be. I'm not as quick to share the gospel as I used to be. I, I, when problems arise, I'm not as quick to take them to the Lord as I used to be. I... I, I, I when, when things tend to get me down, I, I, I don't rejoice in the Lord anyway like I used to do. To do. And I, I'm just not as, a, the fire's just not there. And it's a prayer for restoration. It's a prayer, Lord, do a fresh work. It's a plea, it's a cry. Let me tell you something. When we get desperate for God, when we need something in the natural right? When we have a financial need, when we have a, a, a sickness or a problem, and we, we boy, we, we can pray that prayer, Lord, I need you. Lord, come. But what about when we have a spiritual need? What about when that fire doesn't burn as brightly? What about that, that when we sense that we're not as burning white hot inside for the Lord as we used to be. When we get desperate for God, say, God, I need you. Lord, I, 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 I've had enough ritual. Lord, I've had enough routine. Lord, I've had enough, you know, serving you by the numbers. Lord, I want to burn white hot for you once again. Lord, I, I want you to restore me to a place of, 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 of being on fire for you. 
Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm desperate for you. I heard a story about a British art dealer who shared a video highlighting the restoration of a 200-year-old painting. As restorers removed 200 years of varnish, the original vibrant colors reemerged. The dealer, Philip Mould, described the process as a restoration expert carefully used a brush to remove the yellowing buildup, and he was amazed as the area under the chin and portions of a woman's dress were cleaned. We have a picture of that in progress, and you can see it was, it's part, partly done. See the difference in the area that was cleaned and, and the, the area that has yet to be cleaned? The, the, the varnish and the uh, you know, things that have built up on it and the restoration restored the vibrant colors underneath. That's a picture of our spiritual life. There's a vibrancy. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a life within us. But what happens? Life happens, right? Things happen. Problems happen. Disappointments happen. Attitude change. And what happened? Just like that yellow buildup on that painting, it covers over the work of God within us. And, and, and we, just, we just get so much junk in our lives. Let me tell you, we, we can't help it. We, we, we live in a world full of junk, don't we? Come on. We live in a world full of things. And, and, and one of the amazing things is how the, 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 the godless culture of this world just keeps coming up with new ways to pile on junk and debris and, and mold and, and, and filth on, on us. And uh, we love the Lord and we're serving the Lord, but we can't help it. It, get, it gets on us. It sticks to us. It gets on our soul. And like that junk on that painting, it just, it just gloms onto us. And, and, and we don't have the vibrancy and the fervor that we used to have. And we need to reach out to God and pray, God, do a restoration work. God, master artist, Lord, peel off all the junk and all the, all the filth and all the things of this world that have covered over my life for you and once again make me vibrant for you but make me alive to you hallelujah do a restoration work in my life but I'm going to tell you it doesn't happen until we get desperate for it it doesn't happen until we have a yearning for it until we cry out to God and say God take away all this junk in my life and restore me to the place I was before with you very important stage of revival is a prayer for restoration to God's favor. Restoration, what do, you, what do you mean by God's favor? I mean that the spiritual blessings of God would flow once again, that we would move in power, that we would serve him with a vitality like we once did. We need to pray to God, Lord, restore me to the place I was before. What's the third stage of revival? It's preparation which is remaining open to God's voice. Preparation for revival is remaining open to God's voice. Verse 8 says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, but let them not return to folly. 
Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Remaining open to God's voice. They say we live in the communication age. That's an understatement, isn't it? And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't do anything without hearing some kind of message or something come to you. Am I right? You're on your phone or you're on your computer. Some message pops up. And I know we like to be informed, and I do, and some messages are important. But after a while, it gets kind of annoying, doesn't it? You know? I don't care that, you know, someone posted on Facebook that little Johnny ate his noodles. I, I really don't need to hear that right now. You know what I'm saying? You know? And, uh, or whatever it is. And, and, and we're bombarded with messages. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many people put the TV on, you know, for noise. You know, or... You know, we have some video going on our phone or our tablet or computer just for noise or background, you know. But we are bombarded with messages. And then if we, when we even think of the concept of prayer, we think of, a, you know, basically as a one-way conversation. God, you know, I want to pray this way. And we, we should, of course, pour out our hearts to God. But, but prayer is meant to be a two-way mode of communication. How many know what I'm talking about? How often do we listen to what God has to say? How often do we really listen to what he has to say? And of course, God has spoken to us authoritatively in his word. That's why, you know, the basics of Christianity, reading God's word every day. I've done that for years. And, 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 we should, we should absorb. This is God's love letter to us. It's God's instruction book to us. We should be reading the word of God every day. And he speaks to us in that way. But he also speaks into our spirits. I saw somebody post online a few weeks ago that God, I, I may have mentioned it already, God will never speak to you in prayer. He only speaks through his word. We know God speaks through his word, but God will never speak to you other than what he's written in his word. What a bunch of nonsense. When we are uh, praying and seeking God and listening to him, how many know his spirit can speak to us? His spirit can bring impressions into our spirits and he will tell us, uh, give us instruction and tell us what we need to do. I rely on that. I don't know about you. But too often, we don't listen. You know, you know the old saying, I know it's cliche, but God gave you two ear, twice as many ears as he did mouths, you know. Uh, so you could do twice as much listening as you do speaking. And I know some people, and, and you know, don't look around the room, but some people just love the sound of their own voice. Am I right? It reminds me of Peter when one place he, he was babbling on and it says he kept talking because he didn't know what to say. Right? A lot of times we don't know what to say, but we just feel, I got to say something. No, you don't. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to be quiet. And that's the hard part, isn't it? Turn off all the external voices. Turn off your own voice sometimes. It's hard. And, 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 
and just, just wait in the Lord's presence. And, and you know, and, and, and it takes a little intentionality. It takes a little uh, stick-to-itiveness, you know, because you're just, you know, if, 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 I, just, if I just said we're going to stand here or, or, or sit here and for the next two minutes, we're not going to make a sound. We're, I'm not going to say anything. Nobody's going to do anything. We're just going to be still. Do you know that two minutes would feel like a half hour, right? It's hard for us. My point is it's hard for us to be still. But that's exactly what we need to do many times in God's presence. Psalmist said, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. I will listen. You know the frustration, parents, when you're trying to tell your children something, you're trying to teach them, and you're trying to talk, and they, they just babble? And you're like, listen. Yeah, but, 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 listen. How often do you think our Heavenly Father would say, while we're babbling, listen. Listen. How different would our lives be if we would spend more time listening to the voice of God? I will listen to what God will say. Remember the, the, the Verizon guy who switched to Sprint? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? We're like that guy with God, aren't we? God, can you hear me now? God, can you hear me now? It's important for us to meditate on God's word and take time to listen to him as he reveals the motives of our hearts. And so uh, if we want God to move, we need to, yes, pray and pour out our desperate plea to him, a prayer for restoration, but then we also need to take time just to listen. Just to listen, God, what would you say to me? Fourth stage of revival, the pinnacle of revival, is the righteous living of God's people. The righteous living of God's people. In verses 10 through 13, love and faithfulness meet together, righteousness and peace kiss each other. We don't think of love and faithfulness as being paired together. Nor do we think of righteousness and peace as being paired together. But the psalmist here pairs uh, those two uh, sets of virtues together. Because when we uh, love God, uh, we will be faithful to him. And if we want peace, peace will be found in righteousness. As I said, righteousness is right standing before God. Now, I, I want to be very clear on something. We, we, we don't become righteous by ourselves. Our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? When we receive Christ, uh, his righteousness is imputed to us. That is, his righteousness goes on our record. Aren't you thankful to God for that? So his righteousness becomes our righteousness. When we trust in him, that means we are in, in right standing with God because of the righteousness of Christ. I don't want any confusion on that. 
We can't become righteous before God by what we do or don't do. We are righteous before God because of Christ's righteousness. But there is something called righteous living. We are called to live in keeping with our station of, of, of right standing with God. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to live righteously. We need to live in accordance with the righteousness of God. And so uh, when true revival takes place, people are walking closer to God than ever before. Revival, you know, when, when, when I was a kid, we would have what we called, we would, we would have a, an evangelist come in and we'd have two or three weeks of services. I remember we had one evangelist come in for a few weeks and God was moving and it ended up being, you know, four, five, six weeks of services. I don't know how long it was. But, but we, we typically referred, you know, some of you may remember, we call revival services. Well, in reality, those are what we'd call evangelistic meetings, you know, great, great heritage, great, great thing. Um, you know, we, we had special services with Greg Hubbard last year, evangelist Greg Hubbard, those awesome services. But, but, but that's not the biblical concept of revival. Biblical concept of revival is when God moves in a powerful way and lives are changed. And so the pinnacle of revival, this is why I say this, the pinnacle of revival is that revival isn't just coming to a, a church service or a series of church services and, you know, we had a great time and God blessed us. Man, that was so awesome. And we go back to life like before. That's not revival. The pinnacle of revival is when our lives are changed when we walk closer to God than we did before, when we please him more than we did before. Not by, our, not by you know, we don't become perfect and we don't earn our righteousness, we're righteous before God through Christ, but we live in keeping with our right standing uh, because God is moving in our lives. You see, when I, when, I, when I move in the presence of God and when God is moving, when I submit to the presence of God, His Holy Spirit's going to come in and going to do some changes. And He might put, it, put His finger on something in my life and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not pleased with that attitude. I'm not pleased with that way you relate to such, such and such a person. And what happens? If, if we're truly being revived, we are submitting to the Holy Spirit. And changes are taking place. And we are growing closer to Him. Righteous living of God's people is the pinnacle of revival. When we become more like Christ. I heard a story of two people, two men walking in several feet of snow. It was a blizzard. And one of the men was struggling. He, he, he was having a hard time keeping up. And uh, about you know, a couple feet of snow. And so one, the other friend said to, to the struggling man, he said, you know what, why don't you just come behind me and each footprint that I make in the snow, walk in my footprints. And you'll have an easier time and we'll get where we're going. You know, Jesus Christ has walked the path before us. 
And he says, if you walk in my footprints, if you live like me, if you follow after me, matter of fact, Jesus said, follow, come follow me. If we walk in his footprints, we're going to make it through the snow. We're going to make it through the struggles. We're going to make it through the difficulties. The pinnacle of righteousness is living like Jesus. In conclusion, this morning, we ask the question, what are the stages of revival? The prelude to revival is remembrance of God's blessings, remembrance of, of, of when we were on fire for God. The prayer of revival is restoration to God's favor. God, take the, take the junk out. Lord, all the stuff that's crusted over my life, Lord, strip it away. Strip it away till only what you want to be in my life remains. The preparation for revival is remaining open to God's voice. God, what would you say to me? God, what do you want in my life? Lord, I'm open to you. We need to take time to listen, church. And then the pinnacle of revival is the righteous living of God's people. We don't live in our own righteousness. We live in his righteousness. We walk in his footsteps. Amen. And a genuine move of God, if I am part, if you are part of a genuine move of God, uh, following that move of God, we should live a little bit more like Jesus. Don't you think? Is that reasonable? We should be a little bit more like Jesus.